Hey everyone and welcome to the Futuristic Enterprise Podcast, a collaboration between Leaderonomics and TeacherEats. My name is Kim, one of the hosts for this show and in this podcast series, we interview leaders of sustainable enterprises and dive deep into their life-changing stories and the amazing work they are doing around the world. In episode 7, we have Alan, the ex-CEO of GoCar Malaysia on the show. In 2020, I caught up with him to discuss about the environmental issues and how electric cars have the potential of being the solution to the problem moving forward. He also shares about his company and the kind of organizational culture he stands for. Okay, thank you so much, Alan, uh, for attending or participating with this interview towards a sustainable future, uh, especially enterprises uh, heading towards that. And uh, why not you start off like introducing introducing yourself and your role in Go EV Charger? Okay, uh, first foremost, right, thanks for having me on this podcast. Um, my name is Alan Chia, of course. Um, I'm the CEO of Go EV Charger. So basically, it's the second company I run under the GoCar um, platform, which this one focuses on um, e-mobility and you know charging infrastructure for electrical vehicles. Uh, thank you so much for introducing uh, about Go EV Charger and understanding like uh, Go EV Charger is actually kind of in relationship with GoCar. But I would like you to go into depth to t- uh, talk about um, what does Go EV Charger really does in Malaysia. Basically, this company was set up at first is to supplement the uh, EV charging um, hardware to basically to businesses and to consumers alike, right? Because before this couple of years back, there were some influx of electric car, hybrid cars coming into the Malaysian market. Um, so Go EV Charger right now is an e-mobility operator. We basically provide operate charging infrastructure for electrical vehicles. Um, we provide installation of electrical chargers at homes and offices um, to you know public areas. So we, this the company is basically now is focusing on building a more sustainable infrastructure in order to create um, demand to the EV ecosystem. So, like, understanding, like, uh, there is a relationship uh, between, like, because you come from the go-car and then, like, you were just elected as GoEV Charger, like, not long ago as a CEO. So, can you explain um, the relationship between these two companies or, like, um, how do you even manage, like, both sides as a CEO as well? Actually, it's not that tough when it comes to think about it because we are here to build a very sustainable urban mobility ecosystem, which means that we have to work with partners such as right-hailing, public transportations, and so on and so forth. EV is going to be um, an upcoming. In certain countries, they are already um, growing rapidly. So that's why, since we already have uh, this component within the group, and that's why they elected me to run both the companies at the same time because they can see the synergy between these two companies, right? One day, hopefully, we might be able to do, you know, EV car sharing when things are more um, reasonably priced and so on and so forth. So as for running both companies, um, it's not tough because I use the same um, methods of hiring. We run the company in the same um, uh, same system. So basically... On and on, right? Our team members can cross pollinate both companies easily, which you know MCO made us do that because we realized that we you know we need resources fast enough. So we do move people around uh, between these two companies as long as it creates 
an impact or it brings a value back to the company, we will then focus on projects uh, depending on the priorities for both companies as well. Okay, so let me move on like towards the more uh, the, the, the issue itself. Um, I mean, we as a nation, we, we faintly know the existence of the electric cars. Like, uh, I think the, the whole nation like know there is electric cars, but not like until an extent where we understand like how, um, how like the brands that we have, like Tesla, BMW, we have Mercedes-Benz. Of course, there are also the hybrid ones as well, which are quite uh, more of a norm in Malaysia. But why do you think Malaysia do not have a culture of actually commuting with an electric car? Well, the main reason is actually very simple. It's the cost. It's really bloody expensive to own an electric car. Um, right now in Malaysia because of um, the import taxes and so on and so forth. So, you know, and basically now in overseas, you see a lot of a lot of countries having very affordable electric vehicles and that's something that we should be striving for in our own country. Um, so it creates a, a chicken and egg thing, right? And you see brands coming in and say that, oh, but we don't have the infrastructure here. So if we bring in the cars, you know, how are people going to use it? And then it goes back to the other side where people say that, oh, you know, there's not enough cars here. Why are we building the infrastructure? So that's why, you know, it, it comes to the point that someone has to put the foot down and say, let's build the infrastructure first. And then, you know, encourage the rest of the brands and uh, consumers uh, to demand some sort of um, level of electric vehicles that could be permitted in the Malaysia ecosystem. So, mm. and right now, to be fair also, Malaysia is one of those countries where petrol is actually affordable. It's not expensive at all. You know, the, the reasons to drive towards electric is not so um, detrimental yet. Of course, there will come a point of time where people realize the benefit of having an electric vehicle. But right now, we, we are slowly walking towards that direction. So I guess, one, we need to have someone to step in and say that, no, let's build infrastructure first and, you know, start the mindset change. So that the other brands or any other uh, service provider can start bringing EV vehicles, EV um, car sharing, and so on and so forth. And then the next part is to drive the, the conscious um, mindset of the users that why is it beneficial to start using electric vehicles or hybrid vehicles. So that's what needs to be ha to, to happen for the next five years or next 10 years. Well, based on the research, like Malaysia was actually listed as one of the top 10 nations that admit the most CO2 per capita. Um, like you was talking about like educating the nation about like the environmental um, issue and also like how electric cars or uh, actually uh, what Go EV Charger is doing uh, can, actually help, uh, can actually help the environment. But how far do you think um, Malaysia as a nation is from being an eco-conscious country? I think we have a long more way to go, right? You look at our user mindset these days as you go out, mm. you know, how, how people are treating resources as if it's always in abundance, right? You know, the kind of wastage that we create, you know, the kind of uh, consumerism that we are promoting in the country. So I think uh, I can see movement happening, right? In order to, to gauge how many years or how far we are from that um, eco-conscious country, I think it's going to be a far way off, right? Unless a uh, big movement is happening about changing our behavior. Unfortunately, this goes into a few layers. It's not just about changing um, those that are fortunate. We'll have to talk about those that are less fortunate. You know, we have to look at the hierarchy of needs, right? Some people are more worried about where they're going to get their food, uh, whether they have a house to live in. 
So let's not talk about eco-conscious yet. They can't even solve their hunger problem. They haven't solved about you know their their um, education and so on and so forth. So unless we start educating and create a more uh, inclusive education for all, then we have to will be then only then we'll be able to educate the country how to move towards to become eco-conscious. Because it doesn't matter if the top ten percent is eco-conscious when the ninety percent is just throwing everything away or you know uh, creating wastages and so on and so forth. Also, um, you can tell right now that a lot of um, many people right now are starting to be more open to take public transport, e-hailing, taxis, car sharing. But that's also because it helps them to solve a convenient point. Whether their mind is thinking about eco-conscious yet, we don't know. So, you know, um, again, many facets need to happen. We have to improve our public transport system. As long as you're solving a convenience for people, then only then people can start thinking about, oh, you know, since we have, now we are more conscious about how we, how we travel, how we use stuff, how we consume stuff, then that should be the first step towards a more eco-conscious country. I, I want to talk a bit about like on a personal level, but before that, like because you talk about how GoCar was actually a car sharing uh, platform, um, can you explain in layman terms, um, because we're talking about also environmental, uh, in layman terms, like how is GoCar actually contributing to such environmental um, issue as well i know like goka is uh is for car sharing the whole idea was for people to actually uh, it, uh get like a car conveniently you know don't have to buy a car expensive uh expensively but is there any positive outcome for the environmental running goka as well um of course right um it's been proven even some of the car sharing companies in um, in some in u.s and also Helsinki has proven that every car that you, every car sharing car that you put on the road actually takes off eight to 12 cars, personal cars off the road, which means that you're reducing a lot of carbon footprint from there, right? And car sharing itself is not gonna solve the issue. That's why um, we have to complete the, the entire ecosystem where there's car sharing, there's e-hailing, there's public transport, people are willing to walk more and so on and so forth. So by combining all these, then you only then you will see a, a significant amount of impact when it comes to um, saving carbon footprint. So car sharing, it's one of the many steps we have to take. And right now we already can see that um, there's a huge growth of users when it comes to the car sharing platform. We have users joining in um, day by day and they also has also mentioned to us the fact that they are not going to buy their own car they rather do the, the multi-model transportation in order, one, is to save costs and also the convenience. Two, um, there are some feedback saying that you will help in terms of uh, creating a better environment for all. So on a personal level, like, uh, what do you think like, people can be responsible of? Like, uh, actually, you know, besides like, car sharing, besides like, changing their cars to much more of a hybrid model or uh, electric car, I know you always advocate a lot during your sharing about, you know, personal hygiene, uh, personal responsibility. What are the few examples that you would advocate uh, during this uh, podcast of, to people that uh, helps the environment or like even like help like uh, getting into a much sustainable future? There's many things we can do, right? And for me, everything needs to contribute to a a mindset 
that will focus in terms of um, reducing waste and also to create a more eco-conscious environment. That's why I always advocate when it comes to all my talks to talk about, you know, how you can do self-cleanup and, you know, in terms of, um, you know, how people love to go to McDonald's and, you know, they just leave all their trays everywhere, expecting, you know, half the world to come and clean up after them. That's actually the first step. If you can clean up after yourself, you're basically creating a mindset that is very aware about your surrounding, you know, how come, you know, there's so much rubbish everywhere. Am I, are we consuming too much? Or, you know, why, why are we buying so much stuff, right? So it comes to the point that even when you have created that mindset, when you go shopping, you always ask yourself, do I really need to buy that, right? Consumerism do create a lot of waste. And look, now during the MCO, it's great that we created a lot of uh, new um, normal to the, to the businesses. But imagine for those who've been ordering takeaways, um, deliveries and so on and so forth, do you see the amount of waste the food that can bring in just one order, right? The kind of mass that's being thrown all over the floor because people just don't care because it's disposable. So that's why we have to do small little things. Buying all these electric cars, hybrid cars, these are very big ticket items. So we have to start small, right? When you go shopping, use canvas bag, stop you know, buying so many plastic bags, use old cloth for cleaning instead of just buying tons of tons of paper tower. So there's many things we can do, right? So we have to start at home. In your house, you have to see the kind of things that um, what is needed, what is not needed. Can I live with less or do I need to, you know, really consume so much? So those are the things that I think we can do. Um, first, the grocery shopping, those are the easiest. Um, in terms of ordering food, please don't over order, right? Order what you can eat. If you're still hungry, just drink a lot more water. Um, things like that. And when you go shopping, especially if you're buying high street fashion, just because it's on sale, you doesn't need to buy 10 pieces every single month, right? So those are the few small things that we can do. And please, please clean up after yourself every time you eat in a cafe or a fast food chain. Okay, uh, I'm going to leave it up here for a break first and then uh, we'll come back again and then we'll talk more about how the government can actually uh, be playing a role in this. Ever wondered what leadership is all about? Is it developed over time? Or are people just born with it? We believe there is a science behind leadership and we want to help you understand it. Take this journey with us as we hear from renowned leaders from all over the world over our range of shows tackling key spaces in different industries today. Leadernomics, the science of building leaders. Thank you so much for coming back uh, to listening to this podcast, Future, uh, Futuristic Enterprise. And uh, just now we were actually, from part one, we were uh, talking about how the Go EV Charger as a company and also how the relationship of Go EV Charger with GoCar and how both companies are actually uh, contributing to the environmental issue. Uh, right now, we want to look into the operational or how government is actually playing a role in this as well. So with limited charging facilities actually in Malaysia, um, also uh, me just recently reading about how Malaysia government thinks that we can be the electric car hub. I'm just wondering, how's the progress of us moving into this sector so far as a nation? Like before... Uh, be, be, is there a before and after progress and especially after MCO as well? Do you see like the government, you know, uh, 
playing its role in moving forward into this sector? To be honest, we have seen um, more progress as compared to the, the years that I just started in Goka. Now more conversations are happening around the EV sector where people are already talking about how can we change the policies, how can we bring more electric cars into, into Malaysia. And then we have the energy providers coming to us saying that, you know, it's, you know, we should start to, to create a better infrastructure to in Malaysia. In terms of action, I have seen a lot of discussion happening. I'm sure the actions are being um, executed as we are talking uh, right now, but nothing concrete um, is in the market yet. We have a lot of companies like us providing the vehicle charging solutions uh, for private users because like Nissan uh, under the Tanchong Group, they have brought in a lot of electric cars, full electric cars into the market. So we have a lot of private users um, that is advocating for the clean electric power. But again, we need to step up our game aggressively if we really want to become an electrical car hub, right? As simple as creating an affordable electric car, that will be the first step. I think building the infrastructure is not a um, hard endeavor for our country for the fact that we already have the, the electrical grid in place and so on and so forth. I'm not an expert in that, but from what I, uh, from how I've discussed with all the Tanaga energy providers in Malaysia, they assure me that you know it can be done easily. So right now we have to create the demand, we have to create the mindset. And like I mentioned just now, we really have to step up our game aggressively if we truly want to become an electrical car. Then do you see like the private sector and the government working together in such education uh, to help the nation to understand that, uh, okay, let's try and change into a much environmental way of commuting? Well, that's for sure, right? Because being private sectors, we are the one that um, will be how to say, we will be on ground a lot, right? So we will be able to see the kind of value, the services, the products that needs to drive the infrastructure forward. And yet also we have to play, uh, create a very strong partnership between the government and the private sector because a lot of it is basically passed on to the policy sector, building infrastructure, which is really huge cost endeavors, and then creating the public awareness. and. To be fair, right now, it's not that tough to create a public awareness in some aspect because the whole world is doing it, right? You have Finland, you have um, Germany, you have China, and China is such a big consumerism when it comes to uh, when it comes to electric vehicles. So to see the benefit of electric vehicles is not tough at all, right? It's very easy to create. Now, it's just that how can we make it convenient and how can we make it cost-effective to the layman in Malaysia to be able to uh, be part of this ecosystem. Right now, that's the hardest part. If we're talking like, you know, getting like the the educational part for uh, uh, people to understand, like, uh, let's switch, then I think like we're like 10 years or 20 years or light years away from uh, moving into uh, such, um, I mean, it makes it sound very difficult. Don't you think so? Like, does it like make it sound like very difficult to reach there? Well, it's, it's, of course, it's difficult, right? Because right now, we don't even have any case study in Malaysia to show anyone, right? We can't even tell people how effective is an electric car. We can't tell people how, you know, how fun is it to drive an electric car because it's not easily accessible. So until we create that, you know, accessibility and to all these consumers and all these drivers or car sharing, whatever, any platforms, then there's no way to create the public awareness 
about electric cars right now. Of course, we can share tons of articles, do tons of talks, but until we have something viable in our hand, physically in the soil of Malaysia, then there's nothing much we can do except, you know, keep sharing articles and keep doing talks. So let me move my focus a bit to you as a leader because I know that like uh, you're leading both companies and you say that you share like the same values, the same uh, same uh, uh, resources uh, across both uh company so can you describe a bit about your working culture in the companies that you lead right now the culture is pretty simple in aspect right because we focus on transparency clarity and simplicity the reason why all these values were created is because that we know that we shall not waste anyone's time when it comes to um, building a business right so the team must learn the value of trusting each other they must learn the value of good intentions when it comes to each other as well. So all this will then lead to having a very con- uh, conducive, sorry, a constructive um, meetings, conversations, where then you get to speed up the process of working um, um, effectively with each other, right? That's why we always talk about transparency. One thing is that if I have something against you, then I should share with you. Because if I don't share with you, it becomes then my problem to keep festering on the, the issue that's been bothering me months and days and so on and so forth. So that's the kind of culture that we want to build, right? Where we understand that all everyone has is good intentions towards building go car, go EV charger. So once we take out the equation, then it becomes tough to communicate. And you, you also know you run your own business, which is communication is always key. You rather over communicate than you know under communicate. You rather have your intentions all shown rather than hide your intentions. And then that creates what politics, gossips, really things that, that you know, get on my nerve. And then in terms of um, clarity, you're basically asking people to be able to share context and give clarity in everything that you're asking for. Because you don't like waste people's time. You know, I think one of the worst things in life is to waste people's time. You can waste your own, your own time all you want, but just don't waste other people's time. So that's the kind of um, culture we have built in GoCar where we allow, when we try to maintain a more um, horizontal organization. So everyone has easily accessible to um, each of the team members or even the, the senior management. Because I always say, if the ship is sinking, by the time someone down there tell you the ship is sinking, the, probably the ship has sunk. So I'd rather people, you know, just jump straight to me and say, boss, you know, the ship is sinking. What can we do about it? Um, and then we try to create something called Amoeba Management, where we allow every employee to play a major role in um, managing projects, um, but also units and so on and so forth. So this is somewhat, you know, created when, and you achieve the, the objective of management by all, where even our executive can become a project leader and the CEO has to become a resource leader. So that way we get to learn from each other, learn about perspective about each other more. And that's how we, we grow as a, a tribe. That's why I always say that all of us are team players and not so much family members and friends and so on and so forth. So we have to show the kind of professionalism when it comes to making decisions, working on projects together, communicating with each other and learn the value of, uh, sorry, learn the traits of being grateful and also the integrity of trust. So that's how we run both companies. I mean, as a leader, I think 
we saw like really um, great leadership when it comes to like partnerships uh, within GoCar as well. Like during the pandemic or uh, the partial lockdown where a lot of people, uh, well, Picha did uh, do like a food distribution to the frontliners and many other people were trying to, uh, you know, create like PPEs or like so like reusable masks for uh, the frontliners or people who are in need. But Goka has a very different approach. Goka did two things. So, uh, uh, Goka first thing uh, brought down like the uh, price for the uh, people who want to do delivery so that they can rent the car. Uh, at a much uh, cheaper rate and they can actually still do uh, deliveries for during this uh, whole pandemic and also uh, partnering with other uh, brands to enable like frontliners to use its cars for free. So why do you think such partnerships are actually important, including uh, the others that the company already has done? Um, I, I just want to understand like partnerships in your sense. Why is it so important to use partnerships as a way forward as a leader as well? Well, to understand partnerships, we have to go back to day one of GoCar, right? From day one, I've already understood that GoCar can never do everything by itself. Right now, we are living in an economy where it's a collaborative economy, which means that we allow, uh, no, we should um, grow together with partners in different, different verticals to achieve most of the same objective. That's why you always partner with people that has the same value as you, you always partner people that, you know, is aiming for the same objective as you and so on and so forth. So that's how we have grown GoCar since, since day one, right? And we still are still partners with most of the, the partners that we have built since then. And day to day, we'll um, keep, um, keep in close contact with each other to understand, hey, you know, what else are we creating uh, for the community? How else can we help the society? Because to be fair, to be honest, not to be fair, to be honest, right now, most a lot of businesses are created in order to help the community and the society, right? Of course, we also must make money. That's the bottom line to it. And in terms of like during the pandemic, why we um, why we choose to partner with Shell Malaysia to give up um, free cars to the healthcare frontliners, you know, that just happened in the in the day more or less than less than a thirty minutes phone call where I decided to pick up the phone and call my counterpart in Shell Malaysia and say that hey, you know. We have cars which right now um, it's lying on some of them are very near to some of the, the hospitals and so on and so forth. And we would like to provide those cars to all the frontliners, which because um, our head of marketing, Ashley, was on one of the forums where she heard one of the doctors saying that the new doctors that is being um, summoned or you know being moved to uh, Kalang Valley to, to, to help with the pandemic and so on and so forth and they don't have enough transportation to get around. So when that was brought up to me, I thought it was a great time to, you know, basically use up all the cars around the hospitals and uh, partner with Shell to provide the petrols for free. And that's just one way, a very small way that we can say thanks to the frontliner. And as for go-car free delivery, it's the same thing that we did. We've understand that the delivery segment was going up and a lot of people who are looking to, to survive and they might not have the vehicles to do so, or they might be riding motorbikes, or they really just don't have a car. So we created a very low um, low rate just for that pandemic itself. And of course, I think right now we have um, evolved from that go-car from delivery. So the key takeaway is that as businesses, we must learn to see how we can do more for the community members and the environment, because only then people will see the value you have as a business. 
and then they would work closely together with you so that you so you can build the next product together with them in a way, right? I think this is very much aligned to why we do this podcast. It's called Futuristic Enterprise, where you want to, you know, get our resources and share resources so that we get into a sustainable future. And I think uh, Goka doing this is one of a good example during this pandemic. So um, let's say like, let's put it in a way that if someone wants to get into the eco-conscious space, how would you advise that person to actually start off? If you want to venture into this space, the eco-conscious space, then first you must realize that, you know, what's happening around the world, right? And then understand where's the need that you can come in in order to create a value uh, by building a business for this ecosystem. So I think I must say that a lot of people want to venture into the space, but some of them are just doing it. I don't know. I just I feel that some of them are doing it without doing much research on about the eco-conscious space. So that's why I say they have to go around, do more research, understand and study more whether that is there a gap for them to go in or can they work together with other brands to create some sort of... Uh, uh, doesn't even need to be a new product. You know, you can just be working in the eco-friendly operations where they learn how to reduce costs, accelerate um, some sort of... Um, reduce waste, accelerate some sort of transition and scale sustainability initiative. Because a lot of companies are already doing this. So you might not even need to start your own um, company or your own venture to, to go into the space. You work with some other companies, see what they're doing, whether they're aligned with your vision and something that uh, really passionate to you. So that's how we can start uh, moving into the space instead of just jumping into it like any other businesses more research need to be done and someone if someone is already doing it why not learn from that someone else? well i figure that like making research and doing research may be one of your takeaway uh, throughout your entrepreneurial journey but i know that you come from you you come a very long way and understanding uh when you were telling me your stories about um how uh you had to face a lot of difficulties uh, becoming who you are today. Um, but I want, I, I, I would like you to share one of your biggest takeaway being as an entrepreneur or like uh, running two, two companies as a CEO uh, and, and the, the hurdle and difficulties that you have to go through uh, before uh, this um, as our last question so that we can let people know that, you know, going on to this entrepreneur journey, it's tough. Um, but there are people who has done that, and if they these people can do it, you can do it too. Wow, that's a long journey to tell. I, I can't sum it up in one key takeaway, right? So the major few key takeaways is we must understand the journey is going to be long, right? In everything that we do, whether running a company, building a business, or working a career, the journey is going to be long. We have to make a lot of effort, which means that we have to build a very strong mindset and make sure that our grit is there to carry us forward from, you know, 20s, 30s to 40s. So one of the things that I learned is that no matter how bad or good things are, it will pass. But it, it cannot be passed by you ignoring it. You must take action just to know that, you know, whatever you do will lead to, will lead to you to become a better person from, you know, from the previous one. So those are one of the key takeaways that I do. And in terms of, you know, build yourself up where you're able to sustain any curveball that the universe might throw your way. And trust me, universe has a very strange sense of humor. The moment you think you overcome one hurdle, there'll be a next one that comes and then the next one. 
and you wouldn't know when to stop. So you must be able to build yourself up to be able to withstand all these hurdles and to be able to overcome all these obstacles. And it's like muscles. The more you do it, the better you become at it, the stronger you become too. So those are the things that have gotten me through um, throughout my entire journey. So, and it's something very hard to teach people because every time when you tell people all the things that you've done and they'll go like, oh yeah, but because it's you, you know, you can do it. Then you go like, no, you, you have not seen the, the, the shit part about me that no one has seen, right? All the crying in tears, you know, screaming left and right. You don't see those things because no one shared those things. You see the, the person that I am now and then you go like, wow, you know, he has done it. But no, it requires a lot of effort. There'll be a lot of breakdown. There'll be a lot of dark phases, but it's truly your mental strength that will get you through it. And you have to take action. You, you cannot just sit there and hopefully the thing will blow over. You must take the first step in doing the, the take the first step in order to recover yourself or any you know tragedy that strikes you or any bad business decisions and so on and so forth. And then you must understand that you must build up the courage in order to face the consequences of all your decisions. You cannot just you know blame it on external, blame it on luck, blame it on environment. Yes, you can, because sometimes you know it's just terrible. But you'll be much better if you take ownership and tell yourself that I'm going to get myself out of this, right? And the last thing is that I feel you have to seek out mentors. Seek out mentors. Speak to the one that's more experienced than us, and chat with you know the elders first, because they truly they are the living proof that it can be done. They have done so many things. They have gone through ups. They've gone through downs, and yet they're still standing here. So they must have done something or they must have some sort of greed and mental strength that allow them to, to rise above and to you know, build something out of all their failures. So those are all my key takeaways that I've brought together to, to me now, right? That's why everything that I've done, everything that I've screwed up, every bad decisions I made, and trust me, is a lot. Is that you, know, you hardly share all those, have made me the person that I am today. I'm still not perfect, you know, still got plenty of flaws, but I'm sure the next 10 or 20 years, you know, life would teach me a lot more things that I need to learn to make me a better person by the time I'm 60. So, you know, those are all the key takeaways. So the first one is always understand good or bad, it will pass as long as you take some actions, right? Two, build a, a, a stronger uh, mental strength and also have greed in everything that you do to show that, you know, you will carry things forward and you will not be uh, pushed back by any failures or obstacles, right? And third one, seek out mentors, speak to the experience, understand that everything can be done. And like I say, they are the living proof that it's all been done. So those are my key takeaways. One more is to take on responsibility and not blame on others uh, oh, yeah, or yeah, any... Correct. sorry. <laughs> for yeah. any take ownership, or... take ownership. Yes, take ownership, yeah. yes. Right. Thank you so much for taking your time out to record um, this podcast with us uh, for this episode. Um, uh, if any of you who are very interested in the work that Alan is doing, uh, you do seek him out on LinkedIn, um, Alan Chia, C-H-E-A-H. Uh, he's very active on LinkedIn and uh, if you can, you catch his uh, sharing because he will be sharing a lot of his personal journeys and things. Uh, very simple, clear, concise message to all of you on uh, takeaways that he has and uh, the things that he's doing um, in uh, such space. Uh, so thank you so much. Thanks, Kim.
And that was Alan, a dear mentor to me and an inspiration for us to follow. I look forward to see how Go EV Charger will enable electric cars to bring about a positive change to our environment. If you would like to reach out to Alan yourself, click the link in the description and connect with him on LinkedIn. Catch you again soon. Bye. So if you like this podcast, stay tuned for our next episode. I'm Kim, signing off. You've been listening to Leadernomics FM, the science of building leaders.